Well, the province of British Columbia is currently looking at, well, doing some tweaks and changes to the Family Law Act, modernizing the act. And if it does, should the act include animals? Well, animal law lawyer Rebecca Bretter says yes. And Rebecca Bretter joins us now to talk more about this and why this change is needed. Thank you so much for being back on the show. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. When it comes to the Family Law Act and the furrier members of our family, what would you like to see change? Well, I'd love to see the Family Law Act, which is the legislation that governs when couples separate in this province. I'd love that act to incorporate provisions dealing with our companion animals, who anyone who has a dog, cat, hamster, or any other companion animal knows that they are family and there's an increasing number of people who have pets and who feel that they are family and you wouldn't believe i mean a lot of people are surprised when i tell them just how many of these cases are increasing both in and outside of court but people are fighting over the whole question who gets the dog who gets the cat when we separate as a, as a couple And so now the Family Law Act um, doesn't have any provisions that deal specifically with companion animals. So we have to go kind of make things up as we go along. And it could there's confusion about whether courts even uh, certain courts have the jurisdiction or like, in other words, the, the power to even deal with these types of issues. In my cases, I take these cases to small claims usually and uh, and that's where we either resolve them in or 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 outside of court. But yeah, there's um there's definitely a need for the law to catch up with people's feelings and expectations that these issues be taken seriously. So, what would change then if the Family Law Act acknowledged animals or or brought companion animals into the act? What would how would that change things? Well, what what I was, I made written submissions to government on this point. And so, by the way, they're, they're making changes, not just about pets and companion animals, but about a whole bunch of issues. So um, they reached out to me and some others about, well, hey, what do you think we're, we're thinking of making changes? What do you think if we um, included some provisions about companion animals? So I quickly got down to writing what I've learned over the last many, many years litigating these issues and what it would look like is, first of all, um, it would probably still fall under the property division of of the Family Law Act, which means that when couples separate and, you know, they're fighting over a fancy car or the, who gets the house and things like that, uh, the companion animals would fall under that section because animals are still considered, quote-unquote, property, but there would be specific provisions dealing with it. So, if we look at some of the other jurisdictions, not in Canada, but in places like Alaska, Illinois, uh, New York, and some other places, they include, and, and what I always fight for anyway, is let's look at what's in the best interest of the companion animal as one factor to decide who gets the dog or cat. What I would love to see included is actual clear provisions allowing the court to order that it's not just a matter of one or the other getting the dog or cat, but that the court would have the power to order joint custody. You know, kind of like kids, right? Um, unless there are extraordinary reasons why, why someone shouldn't have access or, or continue caring for the animal, 
you know, like domestic violence or, or animal abuse or something like that. I think that both couples should automatically um, have the right to keep taking care of the animal if that's what they want. So that's, that's one of the things, best interest, uh, joint custody, and then factors to actually consider what does best interest mean. You know, so it would be, I mean, in my view anyway, it would be things like who actually has the financial resources to take care of the companion animal, um, who, has, who has the bond with the animal, and maybe mo- both people do. But it's things like that. Like I got into a bit more of the nitty-gritty type of stuff, but basically the, the main issue is that let's include provisions specific provisions dealing with companion animals. So instead of kind of just making things up as, as we go along, because there really is confusion now uh, in the legal system about where to even take these cases. Right. Okay. And Rebecca, you know that I'm a dog person, probably <laughs> probably too committed to my dogs at some point. I mean, recently I, I measured the circumference of my dog's head because I was getting him a bike helmet, which I no, realize sounds no. way, way out there. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. People would do that for their kid. Why not for their dog? You want to ensure their safety. Well, true. But, but that kind of goes yeah. to, do we run a risk of going too far in that, that dogs are not children, there, that there is a difference between animals and and, and humans, do we run the risk of going too far in treating animals like humans? Well, that's a good question. And, and every now and then I get criticized about what? That's ridiculous. Like who would even fight over a dog or a cat? Just get another one. Well, the reality is, is that more and more people are feeling as they should, if you ask me and many others who feel and think the same way as I do, is that anim- companion animals are family. And there's absolutely no reason why if courts could be, well, think of it this way, if courts could be tied up with mundane issues over who gets the fancy car, who gets the house, who breached the contract, you know, over things, intangible things sometimes, and and then why not spend the right amount of time dealing with issues that are actually closest to our hearts, which is our family, and family includes companion animals. So anyone who says that, and, and on, on that note, I realize there are still judges who do think it's a waste of time. Luckily, not in my cases. <laughs> I, I've been lucky so far that I've been able to convince courts that these are issues that are serious enough that the couple hasn't been able to resolve them outside of court. And that's what court is about. If you can't resolve it, you go to court and then the judge makes a decision. So that's what it really comes down to is that if I don't think it's taking things too far at all. If anything, we're not taking it far enough. We need to be fighting for companion animals and other animals just as much as we do for people because they are some of the most vulnerable sentient beings in our society. So does it also point, though, if we take it a step before something would end up in court, should people be doing more to make sure they have those plans in place? I mean, if we're comparing it to that, uh, people generally with children have a plan in place. Should they pass away on who's going to look after their kids? Is it more than to avoid getting to that state down the road if you happen to split up or such that couples should have a plan and should have it, say, a notarized plan or something about their companion animals? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to have a will because it has to do with if if someone unfortunately passes away. It's another thing to have kind of like a prenup type of agreement or a separation agreement in the case of separation, who gets the dog or cat. But the reality is, is that the majority of people, when they're together, everything's good. You don't really think about it, right? In the same way as when you have kids, 
you often don't think about, well, if, if we separate who gets the kids, kind of the automatic assumption is that, well, both people will continue taking care of their kids together, no matter, even if they can't stand each other. So the reality is, is that when it comes to pet custody type of issues, when things are good between couples, the vast, vast majority of people don't think about these things. Should they? Yeah. I mean, I guess just like everything else, hindsight 2020 is always easier um, said than done. But but really going forward, the question really does come down to that in these realistic situations when couples don't think about what to do with the companion animal when the couple separates, what to do then? Well, the court should be an available option to people. Of course, it's always better to settle, right? right? Always better not to spend the time, energy, emotional stress and everything else that comes along with it to fight over things over court. But if a couple cannot settle these issues, then the court system should definitely be available as, as it is now. It just I think we need a lot more clarity in the law and direction in the law about how to actually deal with these types of issues. Right. That's what's really missing. Right. And that answers my question. I was curious because it, it sounded it sounds like these issues do make it into the court system. But mm-hmm. like you're saying, so it just needs more clarity on the issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I take these these cases to court probably much more often than people would even imagine. But in the vast majority of my cases, I take them in what we call provincial court or small claims court. But there's also technically the civil resolution tribunal that may be able to deal with these issues. And then there's the Supreme Court, too. And there are advantages and disadvantages for all of them. But small claims is we go to small claims because it tends to be a bit faster it, it tends to be a lot fairer because you actually have live witnesses and judges could actually listen to both sides on the stand and really assess credibility and things like that and uh and, and it really is it, i mean it's still expensive but it's a heck of a lot less expensive than taking a matter like this in supreme court and then every now and then you get the other side that's like no no they should go to the supreme court but that's more of a procedural kind of tactic to just increase uh, costs and and, um, and add to delay in things. But yeah, so when it comes down to it, we really do need clarity in the law, even though these issues are being taken to court. And I could get if lawyers should never guarantee anything. <laughs> but if but if I could guarantee one thing is that pet custody issues will they're rising and they will continue to rise as fewer people have fewer or sorry, as more people have fewer kids. They have more companion animals who they consider as their family, and they're going to fight over them just like children. And and I completely, completely understand that feeling. And these issues are here to stay. So if that's the reality, then government really needs to update its laws in order to reflect the current social realities of our time. All right, Rebecca, we'll leave it there. But thanks, as always. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Jill.